Hello there, I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Paul Bestel. And this is Talk Spooky to Me, the Ghost Story Guys mail show. This is a show where we get an opportunity to hear from you, our listeners. Paul, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing very well, very well. It's a strange week of random chance encounters with strange people in the streets. Meeting odd animals in the local park again. It's all been happening here. It's, it's, uh, it's like my own mini drama series. And see, the only th- interesting thing I've had going on recently was I was in a, uh, a shop, we'll say. I won't get any more specific because I don't want to identify the shop. But I was in a shop having a conversation with a shopkeeper, and it just started going that direction where you think, I'm pretty sure this is going to be racist in a minute. And so you just end the conversation now before you have to never go back to that business for sure. <laughs> before it all gets a bit Clayton Bigsby. Yeah, yeah, I don't get the reference, but that sounds about right. It's the Dave Chappelle show. It's about the uh, black guy who's secretly the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. There we go. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Jesus, Dave Chappelle alone. Um, <laughs> Chappelle had jumped out of a potted plant. It wouldn't be any less weird. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, again, nice guy, nice guy. And maybe, you know, maybe it was a conversation that maybe that wouldn't happen. But I was just, just standing there and we're talking, you know, this just kind of doing the rounds of, complaining about various things as you do when you get to be my age. And then uh, it just, it just starts taking a slight detour and you hit the eject button before, again, before you never can go back to that shop. Cause you can't, right? Once you know for sure, okay, this guy's garbage. I don't want to spend my money in a shop, you know, like there, when I was working at the, uh, of course I, I was in the cannabis business sort of in the gray market, uh, when it was, you know, there were dispensaries, but it wasn't entirely legal yet. It was just kind of known. And this one local business owner, whose business I used to frequent, he he had a stationery store that I quite liked. I like quite like buying independent stationery, you know, not Hallmark, none of that shit. Mm. He came in, and dude, he was so rude to everyone who worked in this shop. Clearly, was not a fan of the legalization process, and was just incredibly rude to everyone, myself included. And I just realized I can never go back in this guy's store. Mm. And I was so pissed, not because he was rude to me, because whatever, I don't care. He's garbage. His opinion doesn't matter to me. But now I, I can't support him. So now I have to go find another stationary store. And man, that just bugs the shit out of me. So like I said, I had, I had to hit the eject button on this conversation before I was going to have to go find another place to buy X. Yes. Not ecstasy, to be clear. That just like X, <laughs> just redacted, I should have said maybe. Yeah, that's not great. <clears throat> Molly. That's a good word for it. That's much, wait. <laughs> hmm. Well, moving on, moving on. <laughs> All right. So as we said, of course, this show is all about answering messages from our listeners and we have some great stuff. So let's dive into that mailbag. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. First up is a message from Amy who says, I've actually been meaning to write in for quite some time now, just with general stories that I think you will find interesting but Jen's tale has prompted me to send something quickly. Assuming that, as Brennan suggested, this isn't a neurological issue, great suggestion, by the way, I firmly believe in removing the everyday reasons before delving into the supernatural. Everything in me is telling me that this is not a ghost, but a fae. I suspect that the land Jen's house is has something fae-like that is attached to it. You know, the type of place that something else already has a connection to. As such smudging is going to be ignored, I've never met a fae-type presence who has given twice a damn about such things. If their kid has gifts, it's probably a little bit fascinated by him. 
my recommendation is that, despite her not being sure on what is going on, she needs to firm up herself and what she is projecting. Respectfully tell the Fae, Elemental, whatever it is, that while she completely respects its connection to where she resides, it needs to turn in, please, to respect her grounds. It needs, in turn, to respect her grounds. He is her child, and he is not to be touched. She can even say this bit out loud. Her own uncertainty might be allowing wiggle room for her to be ignored. Secondly, start teaching her son the same thing. As we all know, white light is great, but getting him to start focusing on things like creating his own shield will help ease his mind and give him back a little bit of control he probably feels he's lost. He can also just say, no, I am not interested, loud and firm, when he sees the water element thing. Tell him that he has the right to do so, and that it has to listen to him. As has been said about a thousand times on this show, intent is everything. Lastly, and I don't advise jumping to this as it can be construed as being quite rude, if at any point she feels seriously like her child is in danger, get out the iron. I know, I know, old wives' tales, but they can be very effective. Something on a necklace or a bracelet. Not sure if her son is old enough for this, to be honest. I don't want a choking hazard on a three-year-old or something. And the old goody attaching a horseshoe above the door. It's not actually the horseshoe that is lucky, it's the iron. It won't necessarily keep everything out, but it sends a clear message and will make her son feel a whole lot better. But like I said, I wouldn't jump straight to this. These are just my takes after some interesting encounters of my own when I was younger. I have a very live-and-let-live philosophy to it all, and that helps in establishing boundaries. Kind of a, I don't mess with you, you don't mess with me, which I feel is what is really needed. I hope this helps. So thank you very much, Amy. And of course, this is a reference to a letter from our listener, Jen, on a previous Talk Spooky. Uh, interesting about the iron, considering that a last resort. I, I will say, in uh, my old office, my that the job I had way, way back, uh, which I've talked about on the show many times, the building was very haunted. That is, um, that was something I did. I bought, uh, I can't remember what it's called. I want to say magnetite rocks, which are just covered, like full of iron basically. And I placed them above the door to my office and the above the door to the larger office. And there were definitely nights where I was working late where you could feel the presence coming into the office. And I didn't realize it was coming from the back of the office, not the front door. Uh, you know, it didn't occur to me. Ghosts would not, but would not have to use a door like everyone else. Um, and so the rest of the office would fill up, but my office would be okay. Uh, so I, I, there is something to iron it. But as, as Amy points out, yeah, you don't want to be uh, sending the wrong message. Uh, I, as I have, I have some experience in, you know, doing stupid things on this subject, as we all know. So yes, be, be cautious. What do you think, Paul? Well, I think that's good advice. And like you say, I'm a bit surprised that iron is seen as the last result, but it, it is what it is. I mean, my mum's had a horseshoe above her front door for many a year. Um, though it did fall off a couple of years ago and nearly killed the postman. <laughs> wow. Okay. Unless it was drawn to him because he may have been in disguise. So it's Magneto is what you're saying. <laughs> Our next message is from Tara. Tara says, hello, Brennan and Paul. I just wanted to drop a note and let you guys know how much I've missed your show. I had a baby at the end of December, and honestly, your show gave me the heebie-jeebies so bad at night when I would be up feeding, I had to discontinue listening for a bit. 
This is a good thing. Anyway, keep up the great work. I'm starting with a Black Dog episode, but look forward to catching up on all my stroller walks ahead. I'm a longtime patron and will always be a supporter of your show. Uh, Tara, thank you so much, and congratulations on, on the, uh, the little one. That's really cool. Fiona sends this message for Brennan. Brennan, I share Paul's incredulity about how you have never seen The Lost Boys. It's a classic. <laughs> this aside, the podcast is brilliant as always. Well, thank you very much, Fiona. And like I said on, on the last episode, Paul, we've never gotten so much email about a single topic as we did about me not having seen The Lost Boys. And you, you're going to go see it in a cave pretty soon. Yes, I am. I'm going to see it in one of our local caves, which is delightfully known as the Devil's Arse. That's right, listeners. Paul is going to watch The Lost Boys underground before I'm going to see it once. <laughs> Can't wait. Really excited. Looking forward to it. Beautiful place. We see just outside Castleton, so it's uh, stunning. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Something else off the bucket list. Never watched a film underground, willingly. There's a story there I feel like. <laughs> Paul Bestel versus the Morlocks. <laughs> the Mole People. Of course. Yeah, the Underminer. <laughs> what a film that is. The Mole People. Paul Bestel versus the Mole People? I, if, if, tell me where I can get it. <laughs> Patreon goal. We will make Paul Bestel versus the Mole People. Yeah, now the mole people, mole people is is one of the worst sci-fi films ever made. It's a classic. Really, I've never heard of it. Well, that might be a double-edged sword. It's it's dreadful, but hilarious at the same time. All right, I'm adding it to letterbox <laughs> as we speak. The mole people. It's up there with the uh, Attack of the Killer Shrews. It's that kind of quality. Uh, yet another one I have not seen or heard of. Well, the Killer Shrews is brilliant because it's a film about Killer Shrews, but unfortunately. They had neither the budget nor the talent to create such a thing, so they just put furry blankets on dogs. <laughs> I feel like there might be a size problem there. <laughs> oh, the mutated killer shrews. That's why they're right. so fucking angry. Of course. I, would, I too would be angry if I was mutated. <laughs> All they want to do is sit in trees and eat fruit. But no, now they want to eat people because some fuckers made them big. Wait, now shrews, I think shrew, I think little mice. Yes. Okay. I didn't realize that they lived in trees. Some do. Huh. See, I know nothing about the natural world, Paul. I, I know it's out there. I know thing. I, but as far as I know, monkeys, birds, that's what lives in trees. Maybe sloths. <laughs> sloths definitely do. See? I'm like David Attenborough up in here. <laughs> Over there's a tree you can find, I don't know, birds, maybe. Birds for sure. Maybe a sloth. Monkeys? <laughs> Do monkeys live here? <laughs> Am I the monkey? So this is David Attenborough on LSD, not the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up is Jeff. Jeff says, working my way through the back episodes and currently on The Call of Dreams with Kev Eustace. Being born and raised in Pennsylvania, I'm always intrigued by your connection with my home state. This one really got me thinking after I googled Union City and realized it was only 80 miles or so away from my hometown and that I'll only be about 15 miles away on Sunday. For reference, my hometown is Slippery Rock, and I'll be in a town called Edinburgh on Sunday. You mentioned troops being stationed or quartered there and hadn't really discovered evidence of it. Well, George Washington traveled all around this area in the mid-1700s, and according to data from this uh, map, which he's linked, he may well have traveled very near or even through Union City. The road from Edinburgh to Union City is also named the Grand Army of the Republic Highway. You may have already discovered this or found a different location, but I still have episodes to catch up on. Anyway, enjoy the show and wish you and Paul the best. And uh, Jeff, thank you very much. That's, uh, again, as with my weird Pennsylvania connection, you know, I'm always 
trying to figure that out. So that's that's appreciated, and I'll, I'll look into that again. I, I, it's never gone anywhere, or I shouldn't say it hasn't gone anywhere really since that episode, but it always just kind of hangs there as this weird, unanswered question. All right. Uh, next up, <laughs> oh. uh, it's from Jason. You can put in native speakers saying words in the show. Just a heads up before. I liked it when you did it the one time. Funny enough, I have actually thought about that joke. You know, now that we're getting more host read ads, I'm, I've been kicking around the idea of resurrecting some of our old bits, you know, like Irish guy from Fiverr. Yes. I really want to bring him back, but uh, that guy, it, it, it's good. It's good. He's a talented voiceover artist from Ireland. Uh, he's had some real success in the intervening years, so he's still on the service that I booked him on. But whereas I would pay him, you know, 30 bucks for a couple lines, you know, he's, again, he's had this real sort of run of success. So he's now like 150 bucks and I'm I'm like, I don't know how committed I am to that bit, but, uh, uh, yeah. So it's very possible more of that stuff down the road, Jason. But, uh, I think for now it was one of those things we did and it was fun, but you know, you don't want to, you don't want to beat a bit to death. Yes. Perhaps we should start using Elvish instead. If you find me a native Elvish speaker who I can hire, I will I will hire them on Fiverr or whatever service it is that uh, that they find themselves. Honey, honey is what they like. Okay, I see. For the last time, we're not doing anything on the show that requires making deals with ultraterrestrials. We've been over this. <laughs> there will be no bribing of the other side in exchange for favors. That always backfires. Do you want another old timey disease, Paul Bestel? No, you don't. <laughs> well, I've never had leprosy. Oh well, here we go. <laughs> I just bought this. I don't have any honey, but I do have this uh, protein cookie spread that I just bought. So I'll go put some of that on a thing. We'll get really yoked out elves. <laughs> Hench. Hench yeah, elves. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are the Urukai now? <laughs> just tearing orcs in half like phone books. <laughs> I no longer need my bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Next is from Anonymous. Hi guys, I promise that I do have some fun paranormal stories, mostly surrounding my now adult kid, but I'm still playing catch up. I've just started episode 147, but wanted to address an episode a few back. I've emailed before that I do data entry, so it's not uncommon for me to listen to four or more episodes a day. Brennan retold a story a couple of episodes, to me it was anyway, back about overhearing a horrible argument by neighbours who were much further away than makes sense for how clear the sound carried. I experience this quite often when I use an edible to sleep. Being a middle-aged woman with a less than stimulating job, insomnia is a regular struggle. But I won't pretend otherwise. I do enjoy the effects other than a well-rested night. If I can, I will take a THC-CBD-CBN combo long before I actually need to sleep because classic rock hits different. However, some nights I like to just become a human burrito in my favourite quilt and just be. On these nights, I am always in awe of how much outside noise I can pick up. And not just here, but really here. I can hear the rumble of a distant train far sooner than when it usually enters my consciousness. I can pick up the TV from a neighbour several houses down. It's almost like my brain is relaxed enough to be deeply, deeply in the moment. Brennan, I don't know if you were relaxing that night to pick up on a thin spot, or if that spot was super thin, but I've experienced this phenomenon. Fortunately for me, 
I haven't heard any arguments. So for me, it's still very cool. So Anonymous, uh, thanks for writing me in. Um, no, I was not uh, relaxing, so say, uh, at the time. I don't, I don't actually, though I joke about it a lot in the show, I actually don't, I don't get high very often. Mostly because I like doing stuff, you know, and, and I find I'm so sensitive to THC that if I have even a little bit, I feel it very strongly. It's really annoying, if I'm honest. Um, I was actually just telling Paul before we came on air that I went to go see a movie the other night. And uh, it was my first movie back in Victoria. And I, on the way there, I thought, oh, I'm going to go get an edible, some, some CBD stuff, just so I can relax, you know, if I want to while I'm here. Uh, and also buying that stuff is much more pleasant in BC than it is in Quebec. Uh, and so I did, and I picked up um, uh, a CBD edible, which is, you know, again, CBD dominant. We're not going to get into this, not that show, but <laughs> I ate this thing, had a cup of coffee and went to go see the movie, sat down for the previews and woke up an hour later uh, with Joel Edgerton and Sigourney Weaver talking on screen about who knows what. And that was, that was the end of the movie for me. I got up and took a cab home because I couldn't do much else. <laughs> uh, so no, I, I don't, um, it's again, not, not as common as, as I might, as it might seem from the way I talk about, it, but, uh, and no, and no, that night was definitely not the case. Uh, interesting that, that you've had that experience though. So I, I wonder if it just allows us to relax and really perceive what's going on around us. Mm. Well, I think it settles the mind and allows you to focus on what matters. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So thank you very much. And, uh, I, I love that they let you listen to stuff because I, I remember I, I, uh, I once interviewed for a, a data entry job and they told me this was uh, pre-podcast, but still, you know, you, you had MP3 players and such. And they said, well, you have to earn that. You can't listen to music for the first couple months you work here. You just sit here and you, you put in data. And I thought, fuck that noise. That is absolutely not going to happen. And, uh, shockingly, I, I don't think they're in business anymore. Next up is Darren. Darren says, morning, Paul or evening, Brennan. Noticed on Apple Podcast, yourself and Ian are still advertised as hosts, probably either glitch or copyright. Yourself and Paul have sent ghost story guys to another level. The knowledge Paul brings is amazing. He's like a paranormal national geographic. And thank you for your constant mental health acknowledgement, as it expanded during the pandemic vastly. And as yourself and Paul have obviously grown much closer from working together. It is obvious you both yourself and Paul's mental health is healthy, both your careers have been boosted, and you both deserve everything you work hard for. Kind regards, Darren from North Yorkshire. And Darren, thanks. I, I looked into the iTunes thing. I think it may have just been a glitch because uh, I updated that, you know, almost three years ago now, and it 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 read the correct text. So I'm wondering if maybe just when you saw it, it yeah, as you say, it was just a glitch thing. Certainly not a copyright thing. Uh, and thank you for the kind words. I agree. Paul is is amazing. He brings an incredible <laughs> wealth of knowledge. And every time someone comments on the show and and uh, compliments that, I am thrilled because that is correct, and I like to see it being acknowledged. <laughs> Oh, shucks. Thank you very much, Darren. It's always nice to get compliments from the best county in the United Kingdom. <laughs> I intentionally left North Yorkshire on there. I thought he needs, to know, <laughs> he needs to know this was coming from a Yorkshireman. Yes, it's the second best part of Yorkshire. <laughs> Our next missive is from Jackson, who says, I just saw an ad for Revelstoke Canadian whiskey and thought of you. Hopefully that's not a creepy email to send. You're just the only one I know who is from there. Ordering the book soon when I get some extra cash. Thanks. Thank you, Jackson. I love when people uh, when people write in with that because it, it it always takes me back to my drinking days, Paul. Uh, when, you know, my party days in Revelstoke because uh, Revelstoke, as I've mentioned before, Revelstoke whiskey is not actually made in Revelstoke. It's made oh. over in Alberta, the neighboring province. And I'm not totally sure why they went with the name Revelstoke, um, but 
they did. Uh, but, and so when we would be in the bar when I was a kid, and again, you know, I've told this story before, they had mats advertising it in the local, in the John, basically. They had urinal mats. <laughs> and I don't know why they thought this was a good idea, but they had Revelstoke whiskey branded urinal mats. And so we always used to make a great, a great laugh out of, hey, oh, we get to pee on Revelstoke finally. <laughs> Just because you're 21 and you think you're hilarious. But uh, I, I haven't had that stuff in years. I, I'm going to have to buy a little bit just to reconnect with my, my, my spiritual roots, if not my geographical roots. Yes. Well, I had, I had a pint of beer on Friday called Clown Juice. Did you Very watch nice. them pour it? I did. It, it came out of a beer barrel, not a clown. <laughs> okay. Well, let's hope. You didn't see where the barrel came from. There might be some very tired clowns in the back. Yes. It was one of those random evenings where we met friends and I was the only person who had ever been in this pub before, which was quite odd because it was a lovely little bar in Sheffield next to the canal. And it was a lovely sunny evening. So we had a a couple of drinks there before wandering off to uh, see the (laughs) the strange sights of Sheffield at seven o'clock on a Friday night as we made sure we avoided all the pubs they were going to. (laughs) I need to know what did clown juice, I don't even like saying the words, what did clown juice <laughs> taste like? Uh, it was a fruity pale ale. Okay. I mean, it would have been better if you'd said it tasted funny, but that's fine. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't uh, realize the uh, setup there and uh, missed the open goal. I do apologize and it won't happen again. That's all right. We're just clowning around. Clown juice. Okay, man. I had, I, I, cause it, we've got a really good, a couple of really good microbreweries here. Uh, one of the, one of the things that Victoria has to its credit. And so I've been having, you know, different beers since I've been back, but, uh, not one of them is as memorable as I, I don't even like saying it. Clown juice. <laughs> it's all kinds of crazy name beers here. I mean, we had one called Dr. Funk mm-hmm. that uh, I cannot describe to you how bad it was. Like that's Funky. what I imagine clown juice tastes like. Tastes like Dr. <laughs> Funk. It was bad. I wouldn't use this stuff to hose down driveways. <laughs> so, so one last thing on drinks before we move to the next email. <laughs> I I bought when I was at the, the dispensary the other day, I just kind of stocked up on stuff because you put me in those stores. And even though I don't use this stuff a lot, I'm just like a kid in the candy store. So I bought, in addition to, you know, a couple of jelly edibles, I bought two cans of this CBD soda and it's, it's just CBD. You know, it's, there's no, there's no, um, THC in it at all. And you ever heard that, that gag that LaCroix tastes like drinking fizzy water while someone in the next room shouts the name of a fruit? <laughs> no, but that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is like that, except instead of shouting the name of a fruit, this is like if someone in the next room is shouting the word garbage. <laughs> next up is from C and C says, hi guys. I absolutely love the podcast. I've been re-listening to the recent episode with Kevin and really enjoying it. I also listen to Kevin's show. Let's talk about, uh, we need to talk about ghosts. And I think that your show is complimentary. I hope you have Kevin on again soon and maybe consider doing it regularly. Another guest I would love to hear on your show is the Loremen from the Loremen podcast. They're located in Britain and I really enjoy their lighthearted treatment of the potentially supernatural. I think a crossover episode with them would be entertaining for your listeners and theirs. Keep up the great work. Thanks for sharing yourselves with the world. And I'm familiar with the Loremen, see, absolutely. Um, and we'll take that on board. Thank you very much. I know we love doing the shows with Kev. 
Uh, Kev's a great guy. We just have fun hanging out with him. Uh, again, he's, I think he's the, our most numerous guest. He's been on one, two, I want to say three or four episodes, something like that. Mm. Yeah, four. I yeah. think it's four because he guest hosted that one time you had COVID on the, uh, the episode uh, Jeff mentioned. Yeah. And then um, he's been guest host three other times, or guest storyteller three other times. So yeah, definitely our our most uh, returning guest. Uh, again, he's a lot of fun to hang out with. It just it, he makes it easy, you know. And what is one of the things with our show is we have a very prescribed time we can record. You know, we the handful of times we had people say, "Oh, hey, maybe we'll do a crossover thing," and I'll say, "Okay, well, we record Thursdays at noon Pacific time. That's it. That's that's the window." <laughs> and people are kind of like, oh, well, that doesn't really, well, I'm sorry that, you know, um, is this kind of one of those things? Like we actually had an author who was going to come on, a uh, really cool guy, but we just, we couldn't make it work. And to say, Kev is always able to to make that work. And he's just a, he's a ton of fun to hang around, but we'll definitely take the Lorman under advisement. Absolutely. There's a, there's a few folks I kind of want to, uh, to get on as guest storytellers. But again, it's that thing of making sure that we can make the timing work, but also, you know, as, as you were, you and I were saying, I think it was an off-air conversation on the last episode, Paul, you really got to watch it when you have multiple hosts, because you don't want to end up in a situation where everyone's talking at once. Mm. Yeah. It's too much noise. Yeah. It, it's, you have to be like, we record everything. And I mean, this is backroom podcast shit. I don't know that anyone cares, but Hey, you can skip 15 <laughs> seconds ahead. We record everyone on multiple tracks, but sometimes if you have that crosstalk, you have to go in and manually remove the, some of the crosstalk. And that's just a time-consuming thing that a lot of editors don't want to have to do. So oftentimes people will just mush it all together and yeah, you end up with that clamor. Uh, and even I've sometimes thought like, oh fuck, this is too much effort. But you know, again, no, hey, I'm, I'm honest, you know. But um, but yeah, so no, it definitely we're, we're talking about having more guest storytellers on. It's always fun. And we shall see who that, uh, who that turns out to be. But that's one advantage of Talk Spooky, you know, is that uh, we can have folks on and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be because for, for a story show, we like to say we need you for two hours, you know, kind of minimum. We need you for two hours. And with Talk Spooky, we can kind of have someone on for half an hour. And it's a hell of a lot easier for that to make for someone to make that work in their schedule. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of the unique opportunity that, that this show presents. And so consequently, there are a few other folks we're looking at talking to to have on on this show at the very least. Yes. Our next guest will be John Anderson. <laughs> Just staring me down. <laughs> That's only going to make sense to people who've got the bonus content from episode 163. <laughs> Sign up at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. <laughs> Free yourself. Anyway, moving on. Next up, Lauren says, I just subscribed to you on Apple Podcasts, and I am so excited to hear the bonus stuff. I have been listening to the show regularly for about five years. I absolutely love and appreciate all you do. This is my favourite podcast by far. I used to drive long distances for work, and I would binge the show to catch up. You've got me through some incredibly dark times and dark thoughts in my life. I know it's a hard concept to believe, but you have made a profound impact on my mental health just doing what you are passionate about. I love how well you two mesh together. Your banter is absolutely hilarious. I am also 40 and cackled out loud when you mentioned wearing the No Fear shirts in high school in the last episode. Paul is so witty, thank you, and just matches up with Brennan perfectly. You two have been a saving grace for me more times than you know. I just wanted you to know how much good you do for people and you will probably never know how much you actually impact people. People can relate to you because you are so honest and kooky 
It's so much fun and a joy to listen to the two of you. Thank you so much for all you do. And please never stop putting out great shenanigans and stories. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank you, Lauren. That's very kind. It's lovely. And I, I distinctly remember No Fear t-shirts or No Surrender if you couldn't afford No Fear. Because I think No Fear were a little bit more. No Surrender were the the cheaper version. W- was this a thing in the UK, Paul? No, because you guys all had school uniforms. <laughs> I'm sure people made those fashion choices outside of school, but I certainly wasn't one of them. Yeah, you, you had better taste than that. <laughs> no, I believe it. I can't say, but, you know, I was obsessed with Ocean Pacific for a bit. What do I know? I don't know what that is. Ocean Pacific were like an uh, American t-shirt brand, which was ironic because basically they had an image, but the image was on the back. Oh, okay. And it was a surf, surf company, I think they were. OP. That sounds, I'm going to Google this because that sounds familiar. And t-shirts. so they would make a variety of shirts in pink and yellow and peach and orange and pea green and all sorts. And then there'd be some kind of sort of surf related vista or palm trees or something very summery vistas on your back. Uh, and so when I was at school, we had to wear school uniform, but loads of blokes would wear <laughs> Ocean Pacific t-shirts under their white shirt. So you could clearly see their Ocean Pacific t-shirt and it was just like a statement. They weren't they weren't supposed to wear it and they weren't really wearing it, but you could still see it under that shirt. There's a whole lot of rebellion. It's, it's a whole other thing in English schools, just different ways to to sort of shake your fist at the establishment. Yes. Like I wore a polka dot tie. You weren't supposed to wear anything but plain and, tra- wear. and trainers. And trainers. Oh well yeah I'm wearing trainers. Lovely trainers. <laughs> I would kill somebody for the trainers I used to have in school. They don't make them anymore. There's got to be like a vintage pair out there somewhere. Never seen one. Really? Never. Were they've they? never been re-released either. I don't understand it. What kind? They were called Adidas Samba Special 2s. They were kind of an AstroTurf trainer, um, and they were beautiful. Samba Specials 2. Interesting. So the, the Samba survived, but not the Special 2, I guess. Yeah, Sambas have been a long thing. They've got like a thick white thing. The Samba's been an indoor trainer for generations. Very popular German cult hardball and uh, things. And has survived to this day and been a very popular one. But the Samba 2 was very was different and never never did it. But they've, they've re-released loads of classic trainers that they released in the 70s and 80s and that one's never made the grade. I don't know why. So, who knows? Bizarre. All right, Remake well, them, Adidas. Stop it. That's right. Adolf, we know you're out there. Wait, he's long dead, isn't he? Adi. Yeah. Yes, one of the most amusing family disputes in the history of, of pettiness, that. Do you know that story? I do not. Uh, well, Addy and his brother formed the Adidas company and were going very well. And then he's, he didn't like his brother's designs. So his brother threw the teddy out the cot, moved round the corner and opened Puma. And so Adidas and Puma were formed by two brothers who fell out and were made on the same street. Man, and I thought my family was petty. <laughs> All right, so we have two more. This next one's from Marin. Uh, and this is kind of a story. Marin says, before I begin my story, I wanted to thank you for always making your episodes fun to listen to. I do a lot of typing at work, and listening to this podcast helps break the dead air, no pun intended. My story begins in the late 90s. I think it was about 12 or, I think I was about 12 or 13 when this occurred, so that would put this about 1996 or 1997. Sounds like we're born around the same time, Marin. I grew up in suburban Southern California. We had a large tree in our front yard, not too far from the front of the house. My childhood home had a large, maybe four foot in length, vertical window above our front door 
which was visible from the living room. One day, I noticed a bird that would fly up to the window, tap on glass repeatedly with its beak, then go back to the tree. It would do this for hours. I told my dad about it out of concern for the bird. His response? He said a bird tapping on a window is a sign someone close to you is going to pass away. Within that same week, we received notice that my younger sister's teacher from kindergarten had died in a car accident. My sister, who was about nine years old at the time, was devastated, as that was one of her favorite teachers. My dad said he had had a bird tap on his window when his brother died in a tragic accident, and it also happened when my grandfather died. On April 8th of this year, my husband, young son, and myself flew to California to visit family for spring break. Once our plane landed, we, we met my mom at a restaurant for breakfast. I sat next to my husband with our backs to the back area of the restaurant, and my son sat with my mom facing us. From my son's viewpoint, he could see the back wall, which had an emergency exit door, and above that, just to the left, was a small square window. He made a comment about a bird trying to get in. Sure enough, there was a small bird repeatedly tapping at the glass. It was enough to give me the feeling of doom. But since it was just the beginning of our vacation, I shrugged it off and let myself forget about it. Shortly after we returned home from our trip, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed when something caught my attention. A friend of mine from high school passed away suddenly in a car accident on April 15th. It wasn't until several days later when I remembered the bird at the restaurant. I can't recall if this has happened with every death in the family, but it sure is bizarre. I was wondering if you've heard anything similar to this before. Thank you so much for your time and getting mental health awareness out there. Uh, and Paul, I have a story for this, but before I get going, is there anything you wanted to add? Yes, it's it's quite an old superstition in Scotland, especially that. Oh, really? Mm. Bird tapping on a window signals the uh, the loss of, of someone close in the near future. Um, I'm not too sure if it's very common. I think it's one of those that it depends where you're from and and uh, and where their sort of ethnic origin comes from because it seems to be one of them that's very sort of entrenched in certain communities and certain nationalities so it's it's i wouldn't say it's widespread in scotland but as far as my awareness of that particular superstition it tends to be centralized more in the uk and scotland rather than anywhere else but i may be wrong i may not have come across it anywhere else but that that's my understanding of of it here interesting so my experience with this comes this is very old it's not really my story but a very long time ago, someone I dated had a brother who had um, committed suicide. He was prescribed uh, an anti a particular antidepressant. It was one of the legacy antidepressants that they've since sort of realized are not great for kids of a certain age because they tend to produce that kind of ideation. And um, it was just not known at the time that this was a side effect. And so he, he did what he did. And they lived in a very rural place. So he did what he did in the woods. Um, and now again, I heard this story 20 some years ago, so I, I'm probably trimming down the details, but the basic thrust of it is that the family knew something was wrong because there was this, this, uh, flock of birds behaving very strangely in their yard, if I remember correctly. And they couldn't understand what was going on, but these birds were just again, it's a long time ago, but there was something with these birds. They, they were something not right or something unusual about their behavior and they couldn't figure out what was going on. And they later discovered this was about the same time that this young fellow threw himself off the water tower. So that's, that's my only real experience with something like that. But, uh, so, but at the very least there, there is a connection, you know, it's, it, I certainly, it's not unheard of. Yeah. I know Robins are thought to 
represent people you've lost coming to visit as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we had a story about that on the show. Yeah, we've we've come, we've had somebody write in about that. We've talked about that before. If I remember right, the bird kind of hopped in the door mm. and hopped around the kitchen, and they had these giant dogs who were not particularly given to being gentle with yeah. with birds, and they didn't attack. Yeah, mm. I can't. That was a, I feel like that was probably a year or two ago now. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine there's plenty of old superstitions and beliefs in regards to birds being portents of death or loss or something. I think uh, they're, they're part of that folklore that seems to have been left behind or, or just sort of pushed to the sides. But I'm sure if you look hard enough, there'll be loads of things connected to this. So it might be worth digging into it. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Our final entry is from Ruth. And Ruth says, My brother-in-law always wears clip-on ties. Mm, like D.B. Cooper. I feel for you, Brennan. By 10th grade, my nickname was the face that made a thousand men puke. Jesus Christ, were, Ruth. That's awful. I swore they were trying to make me kill myself, which is why I've never gone back. Anyway, why everyone thought Chitty Chitty Bang Bang would be a hit. See, see what I've started here with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Brennan. <laughs> Let's talk this... more about this and less about Lost Boys. <laughs> the script was written from a children's book authored by Ian Fleming, of course, from the wildly successful James Bond novels. Don't bother reading it. It's an awful book and finds his Ruth. It was directed by Cubby Broccoli, a name I never thought was real, who had made a huge amount of money directing the James Bond movies. And the songs were written by the Sherman Brothers, who had just won an Oscar for Disney's Mary Poppins. And of course, the main villain was played by the actor who played Blofeld in Goldfinger. Ruth says, why did it fail? Too long a runtime. Okay. Um, again, I still have not seen that. All right, but now where do you stand on the James Bond question, Paul? I tried to watch my way through them when they came on a local streaming service. You know, I tried to watch from Dr. No up and, oh God, and no, just, just no. I really like Live and Let Die, but I think that's more to do with the subject matter than James Bond. <laughs> I don't, I never saw that one. What's what's the subject matter? Uh, it's all to do with uh, tarot and voodoo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's at least halfway interesting. Mm. Yes. Very. Roger, Roger Moore's first appearance as Bond. Oh, God. Well, it has to be better than his last appearance, which I think was uh, View to a Kill. <laughs> yes. The most leaden and terrible movie you could possibly imagine. That was one of my first Bond movies. And I think that's one of the reasons I don't give a shit about the series because I just remember watching it and thinking, good God, this is never going to end. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was a big Christopher Walken fan as a kid and even he couldn't save that movie for me. <laughs> well, if, if one of the channels here doesn't show one James Bond film a week, the country grinds to a halt. God, it's like some kind of terrible curse. Mm. I forced myself to watch them all about 10 years ago up until that point. And uh, it's not an experience I will ever repeat. <laughs> no, man. I, I don't get it. I, I love old movies. You know, Night of the Hunter is one of my favorite movies. Fantastic film. You know, I like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, all that kind of stuff. I love old movies, but I just find Bond movies so goddamn boring. Yeah, there's far better spy films out there. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I assume it's because at the time you just didn't have any of your options. You know, it was that or like Our Man Flint or, uh, or Our Man Flynn or what? There was like a hand, The Wrecking Crew, which just looks terrible. You know, fine. You, okay, you don't have any options, but we have options now. You know, mm. you can just get high and go to sleep. 
<laughs> or or perhaps watch the first three Bourne films, which are infinitely superior to anything made by James oh, Bond canon. I, I've been on the treadmill a lot, you know, because I've been doing a lot of a lot of cardio back at the gym, and I rewatched the Bourne Ultimatum recently, and that is still a great, great movie. And you say three, the first three, that's, that's all they ever made was three. No, they made four, didn't they? The fourth one. All they made oh. was three. <laughs> well, technically, they made five, didn't they? <laughs> all they made was three. In, in my book, they only made three. It's like when you yes. try to buy a box set of Die Hard films and four and five are in there. You might as well just take them out before I take it home, mate. <laughs> so, I have to admit, I've watch. come around on four. Um but you will never sell me on five. I've never, I've seen the trailer and that's all I've ever want, ever want to see that. It's like, you know, mind you, it's like, you know, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. After I watched that film, I said I'd never watch it again. And I rewatched it at Christmas and I still fucking ate it. Oh yeah. Nick and I, during the pandemic, we went through a bunch of film series and just cause you know, we had a lot of time and we watched them from scratch. So we watched all the Fast and Furious movies. We watched Bourne, Spider-Man, uh, all that stuff. And we watched Indiana Jones. And again, watching the Crystal or um, Raiders, you're just struck like this is a great adventure movie. Yep. And then you watch Temple of Doom, and you think this is donkey shit. <laughs> and then you watch um, Last Crusade. Last Crusade, and you think this is perfect. This is peak adventure cinema. We we basically got this right in like 1990 or whatever it was, or 89, and we never improved on it. And then you watch Crystal Skull, and it's it's almost like Nick Fury made a life model decoy of Steven Spielberg just specifically to destroy the Indiana Jones franchise. It is so bad. It is. I mean, if you can last long enough to get to the bit where you've got the awful Tarzan pastiche scene, then oh. you, you're doing really well. Because that, if that, you know, there are, there are moments in films that you think you really jumped the shark. There is, there is very few films that come anywhere close to that. And I, I, have, a, I have a theory about this, Brent. Okay, I, I'm all yours. I have a theory that the reason the first three Indiana Jones films are so good and the last one is so terrible is that when the third one was finished, George Lucas wasn't that powerful. Star Wars wasn't that big. It was big, it was popular, but it wasn't that big. 30 years later, unfortunately, I would like to say that Lucas's body of work would suggest that he had too much power by the time the fourth one came around because it's as bad as the Star Wars films that came out. You know, you might be onto something there because there is a story that Spielberg has told about the whole nuking the fridge thing, which of course is moronic. And I mean, it, it's the first thing that makes you think, okay, this is all going to a very bad place when Indiana Jones survives a nuclear explosion in a fridge. But Spielberg has said in, in, in interviews that that was not only was that Lucas's idea, when someone challenged it, he came in days later with binders full of data, which he claimed backed up the possibility that this, that this would work. That alone just tells me that not only is this a terrible idea, this is coming from a person full of terrible ideas who will do anything to justify them. Mm. And it's a shame as well, because the fourth one, you're like, brilliant, Karen Allen's back, fantastic. And it's just such a waste. And there are a couple of really good scenes in that film, but it's just it's just a mess. And the end's just laughably stupid. Oh, yeah. And it's all it's horrible CGI everywhere. Ugh. I will Awful. say Karen Allen in that film just showed that woman, she can still light up a room with her smile. Just an incredible actress who I don't think ever really got her due. No, I agree. I mean, she, she is the beating heart of Scrooged, which a film mm -hmm. which I enjoy. But I without her, it would be, I just think it wouldn't be the same film. Without an actress who can project that much humanity 
and warmth. Hmm. It, it just brings the rest of the, it allows the rest of the film to be as crazy and dark as it is because she is just so good. Hmm. Yes. That's my happy cry film. I believe it. Mine too. I adore that. That film. and Man on Love Fire. <laughs> Man and John Wick. Yeah, no, Man on Fire gets me every time. I just sob during Man on Fire. I don't know why. Denzel Washington kills his way across Mexico City. And uh, I just break down because he's doing it for the little girl who made him feel hope again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, films are strange things. I think we've all had that rocky moment. It's just one of those things, isn't it? <laughs> Speaking of, of Indiana Jones, are you going to see the new one, Dial of Destiny? Well, I'm a completist, if nothing else, Brian. Yeah. Nick and I were talking about that. We, we When we had to go see Guardians 3, there was a... That's right, folks. We're really stretching out this last story. I know I said <laughs> to Paul, let's get, wrap this whole thing up in an hour because I am I lie to myself. <laughs> but uh, we, we saw the trailer for, for Dial of Destiny when we went to go see Guardians 3, which we really liked. I would say it's easily the best thing Marvel has done since Endgame. But uh, uh, Shang-Chi, I really like Shang-Chi. But anyways, uh, we saw a Dial of Destiny trailer and I said to Nick, I said, do you want to go see it? And she said, I don't think I do. Uh, and this is from someone she loves those movies. So I'm probably going to be going to that one by myself because I'm, as like you, I'm a completist. I'm curious, uh, not curious enough to have gone to see Fast 10 yet, but uh, you know, still, still a completist, still curious. <laughs> I'm very, very proud of the fact I've seen 30 minutes of that franchise. Really? That's it? Yeah. I've seen every film multiple times except for the last two, and I've seen the spinoff twice. Uh, well, that's family. Strong, isn't it? <laughs> it's something. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of them. As soon as I hear that, dun, 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 I just get a bit, ooh. I don't know. It's something that just reminds me of being a, a wide-eyed 10-year-old watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I still think, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's something about that theme. It's, it's iconic. I've, and I don't know that they're making themes like that. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just feel like the the era of that iconic movie theme has kind of passed us. Um, and maybe it was just John Williams. Because, I mean, he did yeah. the Superman theme, which is still legendary. Yeah. Uh, and even, you know, the original Star Wars music, which is, yeah. is legendary. You know? Jaws. Jaws. Oh, shit, of course. Jaws, yeah. Hmm. One of the great, greatest cinematic composers ever, I would suggest. And, and you might be. I think I think it's these days they either, they either try and be too cool and it's all meat pop music or that mean a lot of them focus on well let's sell shitloads of soundtrack albums as far as like modern working composers making iconic shit i do think hans zimmer mm. in his better moments has made some really iconic stuff yeah definitely like um his soundtrack for interstellar i own the vinyl for that and makes me cry every time and part of that i'm sure is just the association with the film which i find to be a deeply emotional film but also just it's very powerful yeah, and yeah. his score for uh, Man of Steel, I really like too. And Neil Morricone as well, wonderful. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is one of the one of the greats. All right, and that has been soundtrack talk with Brennan Paul. <laughs> All because of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Great things, great things. I'll watch that. <laughs> I won't watch Lost Boys. <laughs> need to need to discover which other eighties classics you've not seen. Probably quite a few of them. I have weird gaps in my filmography. You know, like I've seen weird, weird shit. Um, I watched a film last night called Pussy Cake, which is a Spanish zombie movie about this girl band who uh, ends up in an alternate reality. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen some weird stuff, but uh, I have not seen that and lots of other stuff. So 
send us your 80s, your classic 80s films, and I will tell you which of them I have stubbornly refused to watch. <laughs> it's like finding people who watch Fright Night too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are people who like it. I, I think someone just re-released that on one of the uh, like boutique labels. Mm. I mean, Vinegar Syndrome released Beast of Boggy Creek too. That's why I asked you about it. Because if you liked it, I was going to send you a copy of the, uh, the remaster. Mm. Well, to be fair, I haven't seen it for 30 years. Okay. So it, I might be wrong. Well, perhaps there will be a copy of that in your mailbox. In the <laughs> Lovely. I'll put it between the books I've got to read now. <laughs> Seems I've got Ryan's new book appeared today. So. Oh, cool. How's he doing with the ear thing? Have you heard? Uh, it seems to be okay now. I think they, it, oh, it's good. cleared okay, up. It's good. one of those. You've just got to leave it and then it's, you know, sorts itself out. But yeah, imagine going for your ear fixing and they balls the other one up. That's, uh, that would be terrifying, man. That'd be scary. It sounded scary. It's like the hospital where I grew up. People always used to say, if you went in there with a broken leg, they'd put a plaster cast on your ass. <laughs> oh, <bad>. no. <laughs> the kind of place you'd wake up and they'd take the wrong leg off, that kind of thing. Right. Well, I mean, there's stories about making sure you mark the right leg for a reason. Yes, there is. And that's because perhaps people working 20 hours a day for seven days in a row is not a good thing. What a crazy concept. Bonkers. <laughs> All right. So that's it for our email. Thank you so much for everyone who wrote in. We love hearing from you guys. Again, you can get in touch with us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. This show comes out every two weeks right now. We might throttle it back a little bit throughout the summer just to make life a little bit easier on us. But uh, at the moment, it's every other week. And of course, if that happens, we'll just go back to releasing Book of the Dead in its place. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that. And for now, we will, we'll be here every two weeks. Again, you can send us an email at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We're on Facebook as Ghost Story Guys. We're on Instagram as The Ghost Story Guys. And we are on Reddit as r slash Ghost Story Guys podcast. Paul, where can everyone find you online? You can find Mysteries and Monsters across all social media platforms. Just look for Mysteries and Monsters and also across all podcast platforms. Brilliant. I'm, of course, Largely the Truth on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky. And you can find my other show, Weird Together, which is a deep dive into the world of independent horror films. That's co-hosted with Joseph Camo and available on podcast platforms everywhere. Our latest episode was actually our live stream. We reviewed Bury the Bride, the latest film from director Spider One, who's also, of course, the front man for Power Man 5000. It's a really great film. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a... Uh, We'll call it, it's a modern era Western horror set in the desert. I won't spoil it, but it's on Tubi. It's a really great watch. Check it out. And uh, again, we had a great time talking about it. And before we head out, we have a musical guest on the show. That musical guest is Diaries of the Dead. You can find more from them at diariesofthedead.bandcamp.com. We'll also include a link in the bio. And the song is Too Tired to Live, Too Scared to Die. And of course, if you're listening to this on YouTube, the song will be muted. That's just because YouTube has very specific rules about copyright. But if you want to hear the song, you can find it again at diariesofthedead.bandcamp.com or just listen to the version of the show on the RSS feed. All right. Thank you for joining us, folks. We will see you next week for episode 164. And until then, we will leave you with Too Tired to Live, Too Scared to Die by Diaries of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs>